Hello and welcome to The Third Self, a podcast created by the students of the Mississippi School for Mathematics and Science, deep into the darkness peering. My name is Zach Medlin, and today, join us as we embrace the eerie. However, please be aware that some of the stories in this episode are pretty gory, so if that's not something you want to hear, turn back while you still can, and maybe go listen to our episode about home instead. Alex Bozeman is a strong believer of you either kill yourself or get killed, because what you gonna do? They're a junior from Amory who loves anything and everything fantastical. This is their story, my dear friends. My dear friends, who now lay six feet below the ground, never got their justice. Was it a string of murders? Maybe a group suicide. It could have been a murder-suicide. No one really knew. The police never wanted to release such information to the public, so it was up to speculation. The families of the victims eventually got their children's bodies back and all decided to have what they considered a proper burial for their loved ones. I spoke at all of their funerals, more for the grieving families and myself than the victims. After all, they no longer needed solace. The images of their crying faces remain clear in my mind, refusing to leave me alone, refusing me the right to move on. I've been told not to blame myself, to allow my dear friends to make a home in my heart. But how could I not grieve what happened to them? The families hadn't seen their mutilated bodies as I had. They didn't find them on gruesome display. The star football player, had been stabbed so many times that his abdomen was in tatters. The class president, hanging from a rope with a large smile carved into her face, blood dripping from her shoes. The school's goofball, with his severed limbs scattered around the small abandoned home I found them in. Even thinking of the gore and violence makes me gag. The small house that protected their bodies from the elements sought to be haunted. That ended up being the entire reason they were there. They wanted to try and prank me for laughs. Honestly, the only reason that we had become friends was due to our social standing in school. Being the head cheerleader sort of forced me to join them. But that didn't mean they were friendly or even cared about every person popularity served the group. I quickly became the butt of their jokes, but I never thought anything of it. I always believed they were just harder on me because I was their most recent member. They didn't realize that the invitation they sent me was their last trick, but that's what I would like to call it. They went to the house early to set up their prank and invited me over through text. I expected a pleasant get together, but found the horrendous remains instead. The reporter that interviewed me nodded and placed her hand on mine. Her eyes slightly watered as she met my gaze her hand reaching out to clasp mine. I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Don't let it weigh you down. Your friends wouldn't want that. I mean it. Tears began to well up in my eyes. I'll certainly try. Thank you so much. I escorted her to the door and gently closed it. No one could ever tell when I told that story. They couldn't tell that almost every word of it was a lie. 
I ask myself constantly if I feel remorse for destroying things that those families will never get back. Then I remember that none of them felt remorse for their actions. How one of them lay atop me despite protests. Another reminded me that I deserved nothing more than death. And the last one treated me as his personal punching bag. I know they did not pity me. And the fact that his abuse didn't stop until they were gone and told me so. So I killed them all in the ways in which I was used by them. And when the memories of how I destroyed them came to mind, I tremble with excitement. I originally tried to convince myself this was self-defense, but I know that in the end, it was a release of internalized rage. This could be my first and final act, but I know that others deserve punishment. The sense of elation that fills me when I think of how I could be the one to deliver this punishment always makes me smile. Conquering the goriest fanfiction to simping over Kameda, Evangalia, or Evie for short, is always ready to create chaos and have fun. This story of theirs is aptly named Sliced Up. In a haunted elementary school, the stakes are high, especially when the ghosts of little children are trying to kill me. Seko and I have only been here for a few hours. But we still can't find an escape. The front doors are locked. The windows are glued shut. Some classroom doors won't even budge. Unluckily for me, I felt wrong on my ankle and have been forced to hobble around. I don't want to be in this unforgiving nightmare anymore. The empty hallways creak and groan with every step. Seko, being wise, chose to go to the restroom alone. However, that was little over an hour ago. Now... I'm forced to look around this stupid school for her by myself. I walk, or limp I should say, down the hall, until a turn reveals a bizarre scene that even a place like a collapsing elementary school shouldn't have. A rotting scent overwhelms my nose. My eyes barely can see the horror of sprayed organs splattered across the wall in the dark. A thin white spine lines down the center, driven into the drywall as if the body was smashed into the wall at high speeds. Whoever, or whatever it was, it's no longer recognizable, and the blood spikes fatter. Sago, come on, I just want to go home. I scream into the darkness. The only reply is a steady creaking from the science lab. Really, Seko, hide and seek. We are high schoolers trapped in an elementary school. That doesn't mean we should act like elementary schoolers. Now is not the time to be doing this. I make my way over, pushing the door open. I see lines of tables covered in outlets and gas pipes. Seko, please don't make me get on my knees and search for you. A little giggle rings out from under one of the tables. Seko, this isn't funny. Silence falls upon the room. A gentle draft pushes the door closed. I begin to make my way out until I hear a deep voice whisper. Please. Don't leave me here. Who are you? A large mass crawls out of the shadows. A boy. He seems sad. Tortured. He chuckles to himself. Sorry for scaring you. I, um, I haven't seen anyone here in a while. Yeah, it's okay. This whole place is so weird. 
He slowly drags his feet towards me, nice and steady. What did you do to your foot there? Oh, I uh, fell wrong. I see. I'm sorry about that. But it doesn't matter in the end. He starts to get a little too close for comfort. What do you mean? I spit out. He chuckles. It's well. It's either me or the school that kills you. You'll die either way. In the end, everyone dies here. There is no escape. His eyes glint in his own bloodlust. A sharp roar stirs from behind his back. Pulling out a chainsaw from nowhere, he takes his first swing at me. My hands shoot up to defend myself. The roar muffles. Pain shoots through my fingertips as blood sprays out, obscuring my vision. The chainsaw moves. He dives for my legs. I fall over. I try to catch myself, but my hands... My hands are gone. I have no grip. My body slides down on the tiles as my insides spill out, coating the tile in my slippery blood. What is happening? I scream in horror, in pain, in confusion. I can't feel my legs. My hands are gone. Well, not completely. I see my mangled, fingered mess over in the distance lying next to a chair. But why is this happening? What did I ever do to him? His laughter roars like the chainsaw. It muffles again. I feel my stomach twisting and being split out by the heavy cut. He doesn't stop. He keeps going. I can feel my tears run down my face. Psycho, psycho, please, please help me. His laughter and the chainsaw laughter becomes one in my ears. That's all I can hear. Then silence falls. The roaring cools down. You, you sure you're not the reason they say to never stop a chainsaw with your hands? You pathetic idiot. You weren't even that fun. You'll die of blood loss here on this cold tile, and I didn't even get to enjoy your death. Man, you were too easy to kill. I'm surprised. His words fade out in my ears. I can't make sense of it anymore. I can only feel the heartbeat of my heart slowly leaving me. But um, 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 but um. Gracie Rowland is a senior from Columbus and two-time contributor to The Third Self who describes herself as ambitious, outgoing, and self-aware. This is her poem, At Least Demons Tell You Their Name. At least demons tell you their name. Crimson water swirls down my shower drain. Hot and sticky, it stains the tiled floor running in rivers over my pale feet. Why am I bleeding? I ask myself. I look down, searching for the wound, but the scarlet-stained floor appears ivory once again. I lie in my bed, staring at the tapestry above. The pattern starts to swirl as it grins at me in its lumbering ego, Sealing in the fall as corners march forward in sympathy, I jump back in terror, hitting my head on the red oak headboard. I clutch my scalp and cry, leave me alone, please. No one answers. I sit in my backyard, knees to chest, hands over ears. I shake and scream and cry. 
but ghosts of memory refuse to capitulate. Voices surround me in a glimmering cacophony. Voices I forgot existed. Why are you haunting me? I spit out, eyes angry and terrorized. No one answers. At least demons tell you their name. The anonymity of ghosts scares me most. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Third Self, edited by Shelby Tisdell, Skylar Nichols, and me, recorded and engineered by Bryant Perkins, and produced by Mabry Woods. Abba Mantri is our historian, and Dr. Thomas Easterling is our sponsor. Gracie Rowland made the thumbnail art, and Ian Avant, James Harden, and I made the music. Next month, we'll embrace the holiday spirit with the theme, Warmth. Find us on Instagram at the.thirdself, and contact us at thethirdself.msms at gmail.com. To learn more about MSMS, please visit www.themsms.org.